0: Hello, Hello and welcome uh, <laughs> to another You really ep- thought
1: you were going to get me that time. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that you're still in the game.
0: I, you know, Losing,
1: I, but in it.
0: That's fair. I'm Joe Patrice. This is Thinking Like a Lawyer. Catherine Rubino is also here.
1: Also from yeah. Thinking Like a Lawyer and, you know,
0: uh, above uh, the uh, law. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is our weekly roundup of some of the big stories of the week that was at here at Above the Law. And then, yeah. yeah,
1: that's that is what we do. But before we do that, we like to, you know, catch up with one another, see how the week's gone in a little segment we call.
0: What do we call it? Small talk. Small talk. OK, yeah. I'm I, not familiar.
1: I think you are.
0: Oh, there it is. There's the small talk fanfare.
1: You you really enjoy that, don't you? I do. You know we we all have to steal whatever joy we can from this life that just tries to grind us down.
0: If you stopped interrupting me at the beginning of the show, maybe is I that would, like a maybe deal I you want to work the, out? Yeah. See, Ooh. but I'd
1: have to I'd have to act first, mm. and I'm not sure I trust you not to renege renegotiate. Whoa! The
0: deal. Whoa!
1: Am I wrong? Am I, I wrong? Mean, Dear listeners, do you think I'm wrong? I don't think you do.
0: I, I will delete the trumpet fanfare. <laughs> if I could get, I'm just saying. I don't know. You I can don't test know. it That's out a next time. A lot
1: of trust. A lot of trust. I don't know if I've built up that much trust in you. Wow. So how was your weekend, Joe?
0: Weekend I don't really know about. Uh, last week, I was at Legal Week. As, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, the... the ALM's annual, what used to be called Legal Tech New York, and is now called Legal Week, despite the fact that it's still just Legal Tech New York, but, you know, branding is fun, and it's the annual get-together in New York to talk about all manner of legal technology stuff. So Although what's kind of the e-discovery. flavor
1: of Legal Week? You've kind of talked in the past that different tech conferences, of which I now know entirely too much, uh, have slightly different focuses. So what's kind of the Legal Week's variety?
0: I mean, it used to be uh, derisively called e-discovery week. It still largely is, though there are some different
1: why derisively it seems as someone who did e-discovery work that it is a tremendously large portion of yeah yeah it, derisively
0: tech. for the same reasons that uh yeah uh they it, it's <laughs> what is that supposed to mean oh i no i mean it's just it it's a portion of the job but it is also uh you know like it's it is just a portion. Uh, it is not something that really should sustain an entire conference theoretically. Uh, it is a critical part of the legal workflow, but not all of it, uh, and certainly not a part of the workflow outside of litigation. And so yeah, it all it got kind of a knock because it was the same thing over and over. It also has, let's be honest, become a mature part of the legal tech landscape. Sure. At which point does it really need a show anymore? I don't know. Uh, that said, that's not really a fair knock on it. To the extent that eDiscovery, the as as one one person put it, the guts of eDiscovery can still be used for other things. You can take the way in which it operates and with some work apply that to other use cases, and so it's still it's still valuable. Uh, that said, its focus is largely what big New York firms want, largely litigation-based. You know, it, the keynote was LeVar Burton this year. Oh,
1: fun! It
0: was fun. Uh, Jordy. Yeah, uh, very captivate, captivating, as he explained. You know, storytelling generally was his, was the theme of what he talked about. But what was kind of captivating is how, even though this is somebody who's not in the legal tech space, he managed to Kind of bring it back around, uh, talking about how that it is, is, is about telling a story. Do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it very yeah, well. That's the thing. Like a lot of times when you bring in somebody to speak from outside of the field, they talk about their thing and leave it up to you to figure out how it connects. But <laughs> there, he had a plan for how it well, it connected. So that was very interesting. What else? Yeah, no. Saw lots of products, mostly you know, e discovery, probably, but. Some contract analytics stuff, uh, some very exciting stuff out of Lexus. Uh, saw some cool things about, I, I saw a really cool tool called Liquid Text. You know, it's it was a good show.
1: Well, that's good. But before we end this segment, I do have a very important question for you, Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. How's your bracket doing?
0: Oh, yeah, terribly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I did not have uh, any of the Final Four, as you might imagine.
1: I I would be shocked if anyone had this Final Four.
0: To yeah, be honest. although that that said, in the bracket competition amongst my friends, there is someone who had Miami winning, so they have at least one. They're living the dream. (laughs) They have at least one still in. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I
1: imagine, you know, Miami natives and or alum are doing okay. Uh, uh, Same with, you know, UConn, San Diego or FAU folks. But outside of people who have personal connections to those schools, it's not it's not looking great.
0: FAU's the one I whiffed on the most, I feel, because I Well, they just, are
1: a nine seed. They are like, that's and that, not surprising. Uh, well,
0: and that's the problem. I didn't I didn't probe much about that team, other than seeing them as a nine, had I done so and learned that they'd only lost three games all year, I might have said, "Huh, Again, this yeah, looks like a they didn't five play or very s- many
1: people either." This,
0: this looks like a five or six seed that has been woefully misseeded.
1: But I mean, even if it, it, they should have, perhaps you're right, been a five or six seed that was misseeded, you still don't necessarily expect them in the final four.
0: No, but I would have. I would have believed in them getting a lot further uh, and and had them in a, you know, in a place where they could be. I, I just was like, uh, don't know anything about it. looks like a nine. Don't. Yeah. Man, yeah that it's, was my mistake. It's
1: weird. Like this is, I think the year that I have watched the least amount of college basketball in, I don't know, a solid decade, two decades, something like that. And it's wild because it is obviously the most exciting right. <laughs> year. And, but, but you know, what's kind of fun about March Madness is that you can pick it up at the tournament level and still get a great deal of enjoyment from the whole thing.
0: Sure. And this one, uh, the men's tournament has been chaos. The women's tournament is just sitting around waiting for South Carolina to win, but the (laughs) men's tournament has been,
1: the the men's tournament has been utter, utterly wild. And I mean, in other years when you've had like a Cinderella, a five seed, make it to the final four, it's a big deal. And you know, it is like the George Mason year or whatever, but this having four, Fairly low. I mean, four is the highest seed out of any of them. I believe is just highest
0: or lowest. How do you do that?
1: That's the highest.
0: Seed. Well, because well, but but it's the lowest number. Like I don't know what. But the, it's
1: still high. Like you don't you don't call the one seed the low seed.
0: Yeah, I guess that's right. I
1: can I can give you a definitive ruling on this. Are you ready? Okay. Do you watch on Food Network? <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Tournament
1: of Champions. No, but there's it's a Guy Fieri show. There's a wild card element to it though where sometimes the, you know, he spins a wheel and either the higher seed or the lower seed gets to do a thing. Oh. And the higher seed is the 1 seed. Okay. The lower seed is the 8 in those instances.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. just
1: saying, according to Guy Fieri, it's pretty clear.
0: I think, I, I mean, that's that's how I would think of it. But then when, when you start saying the numbers, and then I go, well, wait, now I guess one is a lower number. Like, should I be calling that technically the lower? But, but no, I think- No,
1: it's definitely the higher Colloquially seat. is correct. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, the point of language is communication. If right, If people cease to understand you by calling the one seed the low seed, you have missed the boat.
0: Yeah. But I mean, hey, this could be part of one of those like attorneys general situations where everybody says it differently. Okay, but, but attorneys technically-
1: general sounds so cool though. I love yeah. every time I have to write the attorneys general to said blah blah blah. It makes me in my heart happy.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Or order two whoppers junior. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. the
1: whoppers junior. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: I think. Uh, I think we're we should- done. I think yeah. we're done here. Fair.
1: but oddly not done talking about seating
0: oh interesting so we're going to talk about brackets still now that he, we're done with this yes with that said we have an annual bracket competition here at above the law where we choose Which
1: coincides su- with march madness we are getting on the bandwagon like every other website out there
0: newsjacking uh yeah so we come up with some ridiculous question every year and ask people to vote on it. Before
1: this year, I'll tell you my favorite was the best true crime documentary.
0: Oh, that's oh, okay. That you know, one it, was a
1: lot of fun to put together. And as a result, I'm on a lot of distribution lists for true crime right. podcasts and all sorts of random stuff that still kind of makes me chuckle.
0: Yeah, this started years and years ago, actually, uh, I believe with Ellie's competition to become the editor here right. with one about best fictional lawyer and we've continued this trend and this year we we decided to make a, a statement about the way in which uh, the u.s news is being dropped by a lot of the elite schools they're saying that they're no longer going to give u.s news their yeah, I think it's data like
1: over 40 law schools at
0: this point yeah it's, but it started with yale saying they didn't like u.s news's methodology so therefore they won't give it any data home. so they didn't want a data-driven Even if you disagree with the methodology, I feel like transparency is good. I I really am very cynical about this move. I think that all they're trying to do is be more opaque because they know they're going to win the peer review portion, which is all that's really left Mm -hmm. other than U.S. news estimating. And they feel that they can just kind of screw over the transparency that we've all asked for. because if you don't like how the methodology works, you can reverse engineer. Anyway, whatever.
1: Well, y- yes, I-, I think that there's plenty to be said about the methodology and the problems and and also still say that there are good things about transparency. But I think at this point, and maybe it was different when, you know, US News was the only game in town. But, you know, the ABA collects a lot of data about bar passage and other, you know, kind of key metrics about the quality of a law school NALP provides you with a ton of information if you know where to look for it (laughs) about these things as well. And all of it is uh, compiled at LawSchoolTransparency.com, which is a fantastic website for prospective law students mm-hmm. that c- has so much information on it, it's wild. And so the, the information is, in fact, out there whether or not folks participate in U.S. news.
0: Well, but it's going to be harder that with that data not being released. I mean, they e- even Law School Transparency relies on a lot of that data ending up in U.S. news to take. And anyway, point sure. is- We've gotten very afield of this bracket situation, uh, so we think it's – I think it's largely stupid that this is how the law schools are choosing to act. They don't want a scientific evaluation of who the best law school is, so we're going to give them an unscientific version. So we just seated the law schools per their ranking in U.S. News last year and asked our readers to just go ahead and vote.
1: Yeah, you have had quite a few choice comments about it. And I would like, listen, I don't always give you credit, but I want to give you 100% of the credit here. You Mm -hmm. immediately called what was going to happen. The first round upset that, you know, you want to talk about, you 1,000% called before you hit publish on the post.
0: Yeah, Uh, I was pretty sure that our readers, uh, many of you readers are – Wonderful, very serious folks. We also have a segment of readers who are hopeless trolls, (laughs) and we love them too. And I knew that those hopeless trolls were going to immediately, once I saw that the matchup that Yale at number one had was against number 32, Aslaw, the Antonin Scalia School of Law out of George Mason, I knew Aslaw was going to win. And boy, did they! They dun, took dun, out dun. Yale. <laughs> they are rampantly cheating. Almost a million votes cast uh, in one of the rounds. I love
1: how honest you are about the cheating too. I think there was like one of the headlines. You were like, "Look at, look at this crazy cheating and wild results follow."
0: There are not a million people who have a real opinion about whether or not Aslaw deserves to win this competition. Even if every reader cared and all voted, we would, you know, hit that number. But that's not every reader voting. (laughs) It Uh, is
1: certainly not.
0: (laughs) Especially when you look at the other competitions where you can see that we have people who feel like they shouldn't even be voting in that in that one, but they're all involved in this ASLA one. And I don't care, because that's not scientific. And that's what US News wants. They want to turn it over to the crazy people, they can turn it over to the crazy people. Now, at this point, we're at a as as of this recording, we have a final four voting going on. Uh, you can still as when this is released, you can still vote in what the are, final what four. What are the matchups? So, ASLAW is going to be taking on Northwestern. It's and going to be
1: defeating Northwesterns. When I'm prob- that's
0: that's probably true. And Texas is taking on Penn. Did you think those are the four <laughs> best law schools in the no! country? Absolutely not. But that's what happens when you oh. try to have a non-scientific way. Democracy
1: of doing it. is good times. Yeah.
0: So, well, I mean, I don't want to knock democracy, but I do want to knock. Sure you do. Uh, <laughs> no, but I do want to knock a lack of a, a scientific rigor. And that's sure. what we have here. So we had a situation where we turned it over to the opinions, and this is what we got. And now, do I think that that's going to be reflected by U.S. news? Not really. I think that when U.S. news asks people, it's
1: Well, they also peers, make sure it's only one vote per person. So well, they do that. There's that.
0: There's certainly that. That would help a great deal. (laughs) And they also are asking people who are a little more serious. And they're going to say the The, basically serious
1: side of the ATL readership are the folks that are getting the the inquiry from U.S. news. They're
0: the people I see voting for Yale uh, in that matchup. Uh, So those people exist and those people will probably dominate the U.S. news ranking vote and it will still look like whatever. But I mean, the point is still the same. It calcifies public opinion in, when you do it in a serious way when you and it upturns it when you do it in a non-serious way. But the problem remains the same. If mm-hmm. you are not taking evidence as it exists and evaluating it on its own terms, you're going to get screwy results. And yeah. that's evidence what U.S.
1: Evidence-based analysis is important.
0: Yeah. And that's what U.S. news is asking for. And even if the numbers come out this year and it's the same, same top 14, it almost always is, That's not an argument for taking away that data had no impact. It -hmm. did have an impact. It just calcified things. And that's not good for anybody either. We don't want to live in a world where we aren't critically examining the way in which law schools operate. And we just shrug our shoulders and do the exact same thing. This has been a fun competition. You should all vote see if you can make Northwestern beat Aslaw. You won't, because I'm sure they <laughs> will still win. you know
1: how to create these bots. <laughs> yeah,
0: but whatever. Do what you can. Vote early and often in this one. I don't I, I don't care. It's, it's all proving the point. <laughs> anyway, so that's where we are. We will then, uh, after this, uh, have the championship between whoever and whoever. Uh, Aslaw and whoever, probably. And then they will uh, we'll have voting over the weekend and announce a winner next week, so there you Stay have it
1: tuned
0: yeah calidus ai cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues put in simple questions or longer fact patterns then calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding use calidus to check if you found all the key concepts cases and statutes calidus turns that into a high quality customer ready document handle complexity confidently with legal's most advanced ai platform Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at calidusai.com. That's C A L L I D U S A I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Gee and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right. So another story that happened last week Mm -hmm. was one of yours. What happened?
1: An attorney, uh, an Illinois attorney, Calvita Frederick, decided to not follow the advice of uh, a federal judge. I mean, listen, if a federal judge is giving you some advice, you should probably take it, right? Especially if you have a case in front of that particular judge, they're probably giving you the advice for a reason, for a purpose. You should probably take it.
0: Yeah. Even if it's bad advice, you should listen to it for the, at least the limited purpose of appearing before that judge. Right. Right.
1: right. In this particular case, Judge uh, Steven Seeger had told Frederick to refile their motion um, and watch out for their tone that was full of pot shots and hyperbole.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: The judge dismissed the case, said that the wrong party was listed as the defendant, uh, and in appealing that, calviata Frederick wrote uh, a motion to appeal that, or to reconsider that, rather, and decided to launch into the judge and the judge pre- judge's previous decision, saying that the judge uh, failed to do adequate research, that the opinion was full of manifest errors of fact and law, was mistaken, and or deliberately chose to disregard. the evidence in the record, and so on and so forth. In in fact, (laughs) Judge Seeger said the court could go on. Counsel did. After 28 pages, (laughs) counsel finally ran out of gas, which I I have to appreciate um, Judge Seeger's both sort of the levity in which he approached this uh pointing it out saying listen this is full of pot shots and hyperbole and even saying like I'm a federal judge I had to get confirmed in front of uh, in front of the Senate I can take this it's not about my personal feelings but you're not doing your argument any benefit at all
0: so. I mean, judge, judge Seeger has been great uh that he is a he, this isn't even the first time we've dealt with him on this podcast, uh, <laughs> uh, but we've written about him and and talked about him a bit over the years. Uh, the last time we talked about him on this show was when there was a town that tried to find an elderly couple or just a person. Anyways, find some elderly. Uh, no, an el- it was like an eighty year old who the town tried to find thirty thousand dollars for oh, a bunch yes. of nonsense, yes. and he uh that he he was. He was none too pleased with the town's attempt to extort money from an 80 year old. Uh, He also was not talked about on this show, but of interest uh, early on in COVID, he was noted for some people demanded that they hold a hearing early on in the lockdown on some stupid copyright claim. And he wrote something back, (laughs) somewhat tongue in cheek and uh, humorously about, you know, you're not the important problem right now, and so he's uh, he's he's becoming kind of an above the law all star. Well, so it's good to see. What's interesting
1: is this particular case is the attorney in question, Calvita Frederick, is also uh, we've been written about her before. Oh, yeah. Actually, our colleague Chris, who's not with us this week, but actually wrote about her previously because. Another judge said of Calvita Frederick that it was the worst lawyer, poorest performance by an attorney that he's seen in his 12 plus years on the bench.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You you never want to hear that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's not great. So this was
0: a, oh, I didn't even realize this was a meetup of a couple of. <laughs> ATL All Stars.
1: Oh, yeah. the point is that uh, also uh, Judge Seeger had given Calvita Frederick, uh, I think, ten days or however many days to refile the motion, perhaps mm. removing some of the some of the tone issues, let's say, and she never did. Never did refile. Yeah, that's uh, not how you're gonna change hearts and minds. <laughs> no.
0: Okay, so we have a couple of stories that are. Intertwined, mm-hmm. I think is probably the right answer. Uh, which one do we want to start with?
1: We can kind of talk about the topic, which is what are big law firms or mid-sized firms doing when it comes to getting back to the office? Ugh, We've talked about it again. a million and five times. We will continue to talk about it more uh, because there's no clear standard. Mm-hmm. How many days do we measure? How many days you're in the office by the month, by the week, by the quarter? Who knows? Who knows? You know, and, and what do you do? How do you build camaraderie? How do you teach up the younger associates to make sure they're at the same level? Who knows? them, But it's interesting to see the different approaches firms are taking. I think the more fun version <laughs> is uh, Seward and Kissel, mm-hmm. who announced that for the month of August – They're just closing up shop. They don't get the month off, mind you. Not closing. The the office is closed. The office is closed. The office is closed. Yeah, folks are just told to, they're going to be fully remote the month of
0: August. I mean, that's great.
1: That's great. And of course, you know, there's the normal caveats, right? If you're on a case where it's required, who knows what that exactly would be. But, you know, obviously all the normal sort of caveats. But I love that it opens the door for folks to be able to, you know, review documents on a beach somewhere.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I Stuart Kassel, I think, is very good about this question. Generally speaking, it's not just this. Uh, they also are the firm that's doing a lot of fun events to build kind of a, mm. a culture. We've written make about. people
1: want to go back.
0: Yeah, we've wrote about how they created a a. a office-wide mini-golf tournament by Mm -hmm. constructing things in there. You know, fun things to keep people feeling like, yeah, I'm in this office, but there's a reason to be here. Uh, And it's an approach that that begins from the premise that you got to do your work. We all know you can do it remotely. We also would like folks in the office for culture reasons, for training reasons, whatever, rather than punish you if you don't come to the office, let's do something to make you maybe want to be here more.
1: Yeah. And I I think that even the, oh, everyone's, you know, the office is closed for August also uh, builds up this sense of camaraderie, right? When Mm -hmm. you come back after the Labor Day weekend, I'm sure the office is going to be filled with all sorts of good natured chatter. Oh, what did you do? Where did you work from? Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Do you have pictures? I think that that this naturally builds that kind of environment that people want to go back to.
0: Absence makes the (laughs) office grow. Or- sure. Yeah. They
1: also announced that uh, the week of Thanksgiving and the week, the last week of December, sort of between Christmas and New Year's, would, they would also be similarly fully remote, which, you know, that's what people want. They yeah. want that flexibility. Oh, it's cheaper to fly out the Saturday before Thanksgiving instead of, you know, 930 p.m. on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. No shit. People want that flexibility to be able to make those choices for themselves, for their families and still do the work that they signed up to do.
0: Right. And, and you know, you hit the nail on the head with flexibility. And this is the thing we talked about with regard to a lot of these go back to work policies. It seems like some of these. These firms are thinking so long as we're giving you three days or four days whatever it is in the office and we're making that our policy why can't we just dictate what those days are and the issue is at least from my experience most people aren't upset about the idea of coming into the office they're upset about the idea that it's being dictated when to come after they just went through a a couple of years where they worked fully remote and turned in the biggest profits that the firms have Mm -hmm. ever seen. If they know they can produce like that, they want to be trusted on the level of, you know what, this Tuesday I just happened that this was the day I could get this appointment. So I'm not coming in. I'll come in tomorrow. And that's what they care about. Not, the number of days so much. Right,
1: and I I mean, I I think that obviously there's a balancing act and at a certain point, I think firms have to say we're, we're, employing professionals and we have to allow them to use their professional judgment. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay even to say, we prefer if you're here on Tuesdays or whatever. And it's fine because, listen, if I have a choice between my dentist appointment on Tuesday or Wednesday, okay, fine, I'll choose Wednesday. But if I don't have that choice and it's only Tuesdays or a specialist is only available on Tuesdays, trust me as a professional enough to know that that's true. And I will be there next Tuesday and I will still be there on Wednesday and I will do as as much work as I always did.
0: Right. So on that note, and Kissel is approaching this from the perspective of incentivizing people to come mm. to the office. What's the opposite?
1: DPW, Davis Polk, has updated their handbook to include the sort of heads up that if you don't comply with their in-office mandate, then your bonus might be impacted.
0: So now here's what's interesting about that, to my mind. hmm You know, some law firms have minimum billable requirements, and you have to bill a certain amount to get your bonus or else, or you bill a certain amount and you get smaller bonus than the full bonus, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. Davis Polk does not do that. Uh, They are a lockstep bonus shop. So if you don't bill as much one year as you do another year, it doesn't matter. You're getting your full bonus either way. So with this statement, what Davis Polk is saying is, They don't care if you work as much so long as you're doing it while sitting in the office.
1: Well, uh, nominally, I think that is what they're saying. But they're also not creating sort of a clear, bright line. It's more of a heads up that this is what their expectations are and it could impact your bonuses. There's no sort of formula. You miss X amount of days, Y percentage is taken out of your bonus number or something like that. I think that they're going to likely use it judiciously and say, you know, oh, this is someone who we don't think is meeting the standard of the firm and this is one of the ways that that is true. I mean, we don't know yet, but Mm -hmm. it feels like the sort of thing that they're going to be applying very much on an individualized basis. So we kind of have to wait and see what the stories sounds like after bonuses come out. Yeah, But it's a heads up at the very least that we are very serious about this, about our in-office policy.
0: It just strikes me if, If you're trying to use this to weed out people that you don't think are performing, then go ahead and create an hourly minimum like a bunch of other firms did. It's not something I think is a particularly good practice for a law firm to do as far as helping with, you know, we're talking about culture. I think it's it creates something of a toxic culture to do that. But. If that's what you want to do, then I mean, go ahead and do that. I
1: don't know. I would rather, from a firm culture perspective, I'd rather work somewhere that tells me I have to be in the office three days a week or my bonus will be impacted rather than some firm telling me I have to build 1,900 hours or my bonus will be impacted.
0: It, well, I, sure. But what you're saying, and I think is correct, is that this isn't going to be applied in any kind of bright line manner. This is going to be used as a proxy for them to ding some other people who... they think Mm -hmm. haven't performed but
1: but there is a pretty clear way to avoid that right be in the office I think it's three days a week
0: yeah I just
1: it's not that much
0: sure 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 it just it strikes me as weird to be making your bonus discussion be we don't care if you ended up only billing 1500 hours so long as you FaceTime did it sitting in your, your cubicle that strikes me as bad like if you care about the money then care about the money but Anyway, that's the back and forth we have. Well, cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening. You should subscribe to the show if you haven't already so that you get all the new episodes. You should leave it reviews, stars, write something. It's all very helpful. You know, we we could use some more stars because we, we don't have the best rating simply because of a, a stretch in between hosts where mm. I was doing a lot of interviews and people said, this is getting weirdly salesy, which I agreed with. And so we... <laughs> Managed to find a way to get out of that, but it would be nice to have some new ratings current, to reflect yeah. where we are currently. Uh, then you should be following us on social media. I'm mm. at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine1, one. numeral one, uh, You sh- both on Twitter. For now, who knows? We're gonna lose blue check marks soon, so whatever. Also, ATL blog is the account of the website. You should be reading above the law. That way you get all these stories and more uh, as they happen so you can have your homework done before you show up uh you can listen to the jabot a show that Mm -hmm. Catherine hosts uh you can listen to the legal tech week journalists roundtable which i'm on you can check out all the other shows from the legal talk network and with that i think we've said everything so talk to everyone later